It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Miami Heat are probably going to the NBA Finals as an eight seed. How does that make us feel about the Raptors? Does it make us feel worse as it was a missed opportunity for them to go on a run? Had they just not gotten scared by D.R. DeRozan at the free throw line? Or is this a little bit encouraging about the current state of the Raptors? We'll get into that conversation. Plus, will the Raptors actually hire Steve Nash? Sure hope not. Let's get to it on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, May the 23rd, back from the long weekend. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Locked on Raptors. And of course, you can join the Locked on Raptors Discord server, which has about 70 freaks just talking fake trades. Big V's in there. He knows it's unhinged in there sometimes, but it's awesome. It's super fun, a really great community building around the show. Come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast, whether you're watching on video or listening on audio. Speaking of which, you can subscribe to the show wherever you watch on video or listen to audio. You watch on video on YouTube, of course, but all the different podcast apps are there for you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's the low, low the price of on the house as well, so please go do that. It's much appreciated. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed all right let's get to it on today's show we will be doing a sort of big picture conversation about the state of the raptors within what seems to be a pretty uh influx eastern conference especially going into what could be a very chaotic summer an eight seed is probably going to the finals what does that mean for the raptors was masai ujiri maybe actually onto something when digging in at his end of season presser uh, to the idea that the raptors were not all that far away considering how kind of mid the entire NBA is. We'll get into that. But off the top, we'll talk about Steve Nash, who the Toronto Raptors have interviewed about their head coaching job. Here to do that with me is our pal Vivek Jacob here. Every first show of the week, typically, usually Monday, is Tuesday because the long weekend. We long weekended, baby. Big V, how the hell are you? Doing great. Great long weekend. Enjoyed some basketball. I mean, I know the series are... Uh, you know, well, one is wrapped up and one is 3-0, but I think the games have been pretty good outside yeah. of game three between uh, Heat and Celtics. So, And that was good for its own sort of like uh, yeah, exactly. Freud purposes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're over on, you know, this side of the world for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, uh, yeah, the, the conference finals, I know they're going to be short series, it seems, but uh, super fun. Those Nuggets-Lakers games were all a blast and like just sort of the inevitability of the Nuggets just deciding, oh, we're going to play really well now. There's nothing you can do to match our level. It's great. I love the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic rules. Shout out Jamal Murray. They're going to the finals. And like as 
someone who recently watched the team I like go to the finals for the very first time. As much as the championship was incredible and, and like winning game six in Golden State was unbelievable, um, game six against the Bucks when they clinched and went to the finals is still like my favorite game of that entire playoff run. So enjoy it, Nuggets fans. Uh, of course, the Nuggets are the official team of Lockdown Raptors throughout this postseason. It's going to be challenged with Kyle Lowry potentially in the finals. It's going to be uh, a real sort of uh, difficult choice, but... I'm ready to make it. It's fine. It's going to be lovely. What a finals it will be. Anyway, on that note, we'll, we'll get into the Jimmy Butler stuff in a, in a hot second here. But let's let's talk about, not Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat making the finals thing. Everything is Jimmy Butler these days, Big V. Just Jimmy Butler on the brain. Uh, we'll get into the sort of landscape of the East in a second. Jimmy, let's talk baby. Steve Nash. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Um, let's talk Steve Nash, the Toronto Raptors reported yesterday by Shams Terania, or have spoken to, or will be speaking to, uh, the timeline, I guess it has spoken to, I guess is the, where we're at, um, to Steve Nash about the head coaching job with your Toronto Raptors, of course. Uh, not the first candidate we've seen that's kind of drawn some reaction. We saw J.J. Redick, of course, going all the way back, Becky Hammond. Um, you know, lots of big names thrown around, lots of interesting names. They're casting a very, very wide net. They can't possibly hire Steve Nash after what went down with him in Brooklyn, right? Like, that just feels like maybe not exactly what this team needs right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think when you look at, you mentioned J.J. Redick, I put him and Steve Nash in the same category of like, mm -hmm. hey, if you're bringing them in to just say, to pick on, you know, their pay, playing careers and ask them about, hey, what do you think worked during your time? What do you think didn't work? Mm -hmm. uh, all this talk that Masai has had about culture and getting it right again. Uh, I, I think those are perfectly valid questions to ask uh, with Steve Nash. You're probably asking, Hey, what didn't work in Brooklyn uh, mm -hmm. when you were coaching? And, Signing and, Kyrie Irving, probably a top of the answer. And so I think if those are the conversations, then all well and good. If you're gauging interest as, Hey, potentially an assistant coach role um, or, you know, maybe even something along the lines of uh, the consult consultant role that he had in golden state. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. all those are perfectly valid questions uh, to ask and gauge interest on. But if it's to actually be the head coach, then, yeah, I would have my concerns. Um, I think this team, uh, if that were the case and you were going, you know, with that level of inexperience, that level of um, flaws that we've kind of seen exposed, mm -hmm. then I think you pretty much are suggesting that you are leaning into going younger mm. and really building from the ground up again. Yeah, which I will get into in the back part of the show, I think may maybe makes le less, less sense now than ever before in the history of the NBA, but we'll get to that. That's a tease, baby. With Steve Nash for me, like, look, obviously he's a smart dude. Uh, obviously, you know, you ever listen to him talk about basketball and it's just like, oh, dude, like th this guy sees it on like a level that nobody else does. That's always like a little bit of a concern for me when it comes to coaches, just because we've seen a long history of like really great players not really be able to translate it to coaching because it's hard to be like, why don't you see the floor like Steve Nash does? Huh? Like what's going on here? It's why Wayne Gretzky was a really bad head coach in the NHL. And, you know, it's I don't kind Lowry has spoken about how he would not want to coach because of that very thing. It's like, just see the game like I do, please. But no one can do that. And so that's sort of red flag number one, I suppose. You know, I actually, it's lower down the rung of red flags. There'd be a real red flag is what happened with Brooklyn and his inability to sort of get any sort of semblance of culture and cohesion in that locker room. And I know it's not all his fault. Like Kyrie Irving, the biggest thing going on there and that sort of was what the you pull the one shoelace and the whole thing comes unspooled but at the same time 
plenty of head coaches have been able to manage combative big time personalities before very effectively. And Steve Nash just didn't do that. Um, you know, there's also, he's only had the one head coaching job, right? And it's hard to evaluate the the job he did have with the Nets because of the crazy circumstances of that team and the Kyrie of it all and the, the injuries that he dealt with and everything. But we don't have any other sort of sample to pull from of, oh, well, he had success there. He looked good doing that. Or he had like the G League run where he won a title with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Like there's no other proof of concept for Steve Nash as a head coach. And so at the position you're in as a franchise, I just feel like it's wildly risky to go and see like, well, maybe it was the Nets fault and it was the Kyrie of it all. And it wasn't Steve Nash. It could be that Steve Nash is a wonderful coach, but we don't have any sort of inkling that that's actually true. And there's no proof of it. And so for me, at the point the Raptors are at right now, that doesn't feel like the move to me. You got to go with a little bit more of a proven commodity, or I think, or at least someone who um, has a track record of kind of being around successful teams or whatever. And obviously, Steve Nash has done that as a player. It's very different when you're the head coach. And so I think I would prefer them steer clear. That said, you know, you mentioned that you have chats, assistants, you want to bring him in as an assistant coach. I think he's kind of a really brilliant kind of tact- tactical guy, X's and O's guy. He sees the game really well, as I talked about. Maybe that's the, the the sort of avenue there. But as the head coach, I, it just doesn't really feel like the fit for me right now. Um, any last thoughts on the Nash thing? And also, as it stands right now, last week of May, encroaching upon us here, do you have like a favorite candidate for the job who you'd like to see? Obviously, this is all very unknowable, but we all kind of, you know, end up sort of pitching our flags in certain corners or whatever where you at as far as uh, any stray thoughts on the Nash thing and then potential top candidates that are sort of sitting in your mind right now that you'd like to see the Raptors go and lock in, lock in to coach their team. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think right now, probably the biggest problem facing the Raptors is it's the fourth best job available, right? Right. Like if you're a coach, you're looking at, you know, Milwaukee, you're looking at, uh, Phoenix, you're looking at Philly and the superstars on those teams, and you're saying that's a better opportunity than Toronto, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so uh, in terms of who I'd like to see in the role, I think, ironically, Kenny Atkinson should be up there. Um, mm-hmm. I think he was building something really good uh, in Brooklyn, and I thought he was setting the tone, the culture in a really healthy way. And you think about all the ways we were talking about that Brooklyn team before Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came over, I think that's exactly what the Raptors are looking for right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he'd fit the bill. Uh, I will say, like, if Becky Ammon wants the job, it should absolutely be hers. Like, I just don't think she uh, would seriously consider it. Doesn't right seem now. like it's lining up right now, no. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, she would be number one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so Kenny Atkinson would be in the mix for me. Um, Monty Williams is interesting. Uh, but I think if that's the case, I might just look towards, um, an assistant coach Mm. who might show a bit more of like X's and O's acumen. I think Monty Williams would be excellent as a culture hire. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you're looking for a blend of both, um, you know, you might want to see, uh, what's up with, you know, whether, whether it's Charles Lee with the Bucks, whether it's Kevin Young with Phoenix, whether it's, uh, um, Chris Quinn. Uh, yeah, Chris Quinn or, uh, you know, Jordy Fernandez with uh, Sacramento. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've got Michael Malone shouting out David Adam. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you watched the Nuggets offense? I, I know it's like 95% because Jokic is an unguardable monster, but uh, yeah. David Adelman, <laughs> he's he's got some influence on how that all how that whole thing runs for sure. 
Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as you move down, then those are probably the options I'd consider. Um, yeah. Yeah. Of like the retreads, I think Monty's the one who comes to mind um, just because of the culture thing. But again, like the Aiton stuff is a bit of a red flag there too. Like what the hell happened there? And like, will yeah. that happen again with another young player? For uh, sure. Seems like a bit of a black mark on his record with the Suns. Um, you know, I I feel gross saying that Budenholzer would probably like fix the team immediately, but he kind of does that wherever he goes. And... I don't think they should hire Budenholzer because you'll run into the same problems that every Budenholzer team runs into down the line with the playoff adjustments, et cetera, et cetera. But like getting to the playoffs first should be job number one. And I think he would do that. He's a really, really good regular season coach. For me, I think I'm more skewing towards preferring the the, the assistant route, route. And honestly, like it's hard not to get sort of caught up in heat culture and all this stuff. Like it's so dumb and cheesy, but like clearly something is happening there that works. And Chris Quinn seems very much involved in all of that. Like, maybe he's just the guy. And you just try to get that sort of intelligence by osmosis of just being next to Eric Spolstra for all those years. It seems like you, you could do worse. So uh, we'll see. We'll uh, Hopefully there's a coach soon. I would like to break that down in more, uh, like, concrete terms as opposed to these wild hypotheticals. But we'll get to that at some point down the line. Big V, we're going to come back on the other side, talk about the big picture of where the Raptors sit in a conference that apparently can be won by an eighth seed. Does that change the way we feel about the Raptors as they currently are situated? We'll get to that in a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. And look, with uh, buying tickets for sporting events, it's so often a real pain, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be inconvenient. It should be easy, quick, and reliable. And Game Time helps you do that because they have lovely features. They have, of course, the Game Time Guarantee, which ensures that you're always going to get the best price if you find tickets on game time in a section or row sorry on another app in a section or the same section in a row for less than you find it on game time game time will credit you with 110 percent of the difference that is an incredible deal you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more right up to the day of the event and you can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive buy tickets at a matter of seconds just two taps and you're set and the tickets are sent directly to your phone you don't got to go sorting through your email while you're in line and holding up the whole operation no one wants to be that person so go download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked NBA for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Locked NBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, "Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there." And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here. 
Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com along. Thanks to the everyday listeners of the show. We love our everydayers. If you are our everydayer, let us know in the comments below. Um, go back, by the way, listen to last week's show, last Friday's episode with Locked On Blazers. Uh, Mike Richmond was really good, kind of digging into the whole th- third overall situation with Portland. I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty between now and the draft, but go check that out. In the meantime, as we dig into now to sort of a bigger picture conversation, away from the draft, away from trades and whatnot, and just sort of taking stock of the way the league is situated here, Big Fee. I've been thinking a lot about this watching the Heat make their run through the Eastern Conference, thinking about Masai Ujiri's comments at the end of the year about maybe there being a bit of a more realistic path to competitiveness, contention, whatever you want to phrase it as, than you know, might expect from a team sort of in the lower rungs of the playoff chase. And look, Miami is like a very singular entity. Jimmy Butler is uh, ridiculous, and no one's got a Jimmy. And so this is going to, you know, I don't believe this was like a missed opportunity for the Raptors necessarily, because I don't think they were beating the Bucks in five games in the first round, because they don't have Jimmy Butler. But I do think there's a way to sort of look at the way the league sits and feel not so bad about where the Raptors are. Just kind of curious, has the Heat run changed at all your feelings of the Raptors and their situation seeing them go through an East that maybe was a little bit more feeble than we gave it credit for kind of painting it as the better more competitive conference all season long the Celtics go down in a total whimper it seems the Bucks go out obviously the injuries played in there the Sixers do the Sixers thing um, not at the hands of the Heat but I imagine the Heat would have done something similar to the Sixers that they're doing to the Celtics right now Um, has the Heat's run changed at all your view on where the Raptors sit and made you feel worse or better about their current standing you know as much as I'm enjoying watching the Celtics go down like this boy would I love to see Jimmy do this to Philly I mean, well, how delightful would that have been? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there's no losers here except for the Celtics uh, and the Sixers and the Bucks. But uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's a it's a total treat. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, in terms of takeaways from these playoffs, I mean, even if you look a little bit at, you know, the Lakers coming through the play and then getting to the conference finals, uh, obviously, the first thing that stands out is they have a caliber of player that the Raptors do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. That needs to be the first thing that you, you consider. Uh, but what I will say is, you know, build your team. Building your team for the playoffs should be looked at as perfectly fine. If you build a team that legitimately can play extremely tough defense, mm-hmm. um, has, uh, you know, a fulcrum to the offense where guys can, you know, function off of that and knock down shots and you're only able to win like 45 games in the regular season, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. Because we see time and time again that playoff basketball is very different from regular season basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, as you're sort of building to that, you know, certain things might hurt you where like if if you don't have home court advantage and stuff like that. But I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. It's like, hey, just build for the playoffs, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... uh, you know, some of this sort of live by the three, die by the three stuff has been exposed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you need uh, a balanced attack. You look at Miami, you know, regular season offensive rating of 113.3. And everyone's like, oh, they just don't have the juice. They don't have the legs. They're too old. This and that. Get to the playoffs. Their offensive rating right now is 116.8. <laughs> and, you know, to bump that up by over three points per 100 possessions, that's significant. Um, and, uh, the way they're able to get it done. Uh, the other thing I will say is because of the parody in the Mm -hmm. league, 
those marginal gains that you can get from an excellent coach yep. are significant. And Eric Spolstra is running circles around. He's done it to Missoula. He's done it to Bud. And, you know, you combine having, you know, playoff Jimmy with a coach like that. It's an, it's a nightmare for anyone who's coming up against that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as much as I think the Nuggets would be favorites uh, in the finals against uh, the Miami Heat, I do think it will be a very competitive series. Yeah, I think Denver is the only team with enough MFers who could actually kind of withstand the psychological torment of Jimmy Butler over the course of a series. Uh, the rest of the <laughs> league stands no chance. Um, I, yeah, I, I think for me, I feel a little better about where the Raptors are, and I probably am more inclined to want to try to stay the course having watched these playoffs just because, look, the game is changing. The Golden State Warriors era, like, I think that warped all of our brains into thinking, well, every team's got to be perfect. It's the super team era. You even go back to the Heat and, like, even the Celtics with KG, Pearson, Allen, like, the the sort of the, the trio of superstars. That used to be the sort of surefire way to get you to an NBA championship. That's not going to be a tenable way to build teams going forward with the new rules coming in with the, the, the luxury tax penalties, the second apron, which are going to be extremely punitive, make it really hard for teams to keep teams together. And then once you have a great team, add to that team. And so attrition is going to eventually come for you. This is not a league where you need to have three superstars. The formula's changed. The formula really now, if you can have two superstars, great. That still limits the way you can build your roster. We saw it, obviously, the Suns did it on the fly midseason, and they didn't have the, the horses to carry them through four rounds. Um, you know, we see it all the time with, with two superstars. The Clippers, like, two superstars is great. One gets hurt, you're still kind of back where you were. You have a chance, but it's less of a chance. And if both guys are done, you know, that's just, <laughs> you're the Clippers. Um and the second but, apron with the new CBA is only going to make that more challenging. 100%. And so the formula now to me feels like, do you have a good team and a guy, capital G guy? Um, the, the Nuggets obviously have that. The Heat obviously have that. And I feel like that is a less difficult championship formula to figure out and to establish than go find three superstars and go win the title. It's still very hard. The Raptors right now don't have either a good team or a guy. But I do think a good team is hidden somewhere in the bones of the core that they have, especially when you factor in a Scotty Barnes ascendance, hopefully in the next couple of years here. And to me, you know, you don't have the guy right now, but like Pascal Siakam's a decent stand-in for that. You know, they don't have an avenue right now to a better player than Pascal Siakam. So you go to war with him, you have the rest of your team, and you at least can sort of get the good part of the good team and a guide equation down. And then you're perpetually in a state of being one move away from adding that guy. And to me, if you are tanking, if you are not trying to win, if you're getting rid of your players and skewing young, you're not really in the position to do those things, right? You're a like you're you're, you're not as competitive and as attractive as a potential landing spot for a star. So you have to consider the length of contract more, you know, considered in your whole sort of calculation. You don't have the leftovers to build a good team around said star if you're just getting gutting it and have a bunch of bad players on your roster to go lose a bunch of games. Um, and because you're tanking, it means you have neither of like those the, the, those options to sort of make those moves, and you're just kind of going to be perpetually waiting for the lottery balls to. Bring you luck and maybe they will but odds are they probably won't and so for me 
just like try to stay the course, try to weather through the, whatever this this past season was, try to build something, bring in a new coach. Obviously, there can be a big difference made, and I think that is maybe the most impactful move they can make this summer as far as changing the course of the team, that and hoping for Scotty Barnes to kind of take his step. But you look around the Eastern Conference, like it's not this sort of blocked off, unmovable group of teams at the top of the conference anymore. The Bucks are aging, and who knows what's going to happen with, with Giannis there after this season. You've got Middleton's a free agent, Lopez is a free agent. You sign both those guys into their deep 30s. Like, that could get really ugly really quickly. You have the Celtics. They're going to have a Jalen Brown problem this summer. It's already percolating. It was already percolating in the middle of the season when he made comments in an interview unprompted. That's going to be a thing to consider this summer. The Sixers, who the hell knows what's going to go on with the Sixers? None of these teams feel like all that ironclad is like, oh, the next five years, the East is locked up. And so for me, as you sort of try to wait, wait out those teams, building a decent team in the process and sort of putting yourself in position to then move into those sort of upper tiers through one move, keep yourself one move away. That to me feels like the way to go here, because this is not about having to accrue multiple superstars in the draft over many, many years. Like you're not doing the old Oklahoma City model. It's going to take too long. You're not going to get that lucky. I promise you that. It's very hard to get that lucky in the lottery that many times and get, you know, actually hit on all those picks. And so where the Raptors are now, it's not awesome. They don't have a guy. They're barely a good team. They have moments where they look like a good team. But to me, the way the conference is, the way the new tax penalties are going to kind of even things out, I don't think this is going to be like the NHL where an eight seed can make the finals and it's not surprising. But I do think that it's going to be more of a commonplace thing where lower seated teams have the juice because there's just the, the difference between the top teams and the second and third tier teams is just not the same because the formula, you can't replicate the three superstars thing unless you get super duper lucky and draft three superstars on rookie deals who all become superstars on said rookie deals. Otherwise, it's just going to be too hard to build teams that have those sort of long staying power windows. And so... Why not just try to be good? I, I guess is sort of my the, the, the long and short of it, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, just in general, I would say, you know, what team really has a long window, right? What, yeah. What's the, you know, obviously the Golden State Warriors are a legit dynasty, but mm -hmm. outside of that, you know, you're talking about LeBron as a singular guy, like wherever he goes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and beyond that, you know, you're probably thinking back to the Spurs, mm -hmm. right? And so. Yeah. I don't think, uh, especially now with the, the way the cap has changed, with uh, the way the rules are going to be, uh, the salary cap rules are going to be enforced in the, the new CBA, I think that challenge is going to be significant. And that's why, you know, it'd be nice to have some clarity with this franchise soon. <laughs> <laughs> it sure would, man. It sure would. Uh, we'll come back on the other side, put a bow on this conversation, and, uh, you know, round out the show. We'll come one, back. one quick thing. One quick thing. Yeah, yeah. Just well, because, let's, you know, let's we, save we, the quick thing for the other side of the break. Got it. We do that? All right, we'll do that. Uh, we'll get to these one quick thing on the other side. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, super accessible, and right now is the time to do it because it's the playoffs, baby. There's no season-long grind to worry about. You're sitting there on your given night watching the playoffs. The NBA Finals are coming up soon. Lots of daily fantasy to be played, and you can go and make your entries based on the games going on that night without having a full slate to have to go and set your lineup for and all that nonsense. 
nonsense that goes along with the season-long grind. All you got to do is pick two to six players on your given entry and whether they'll score more or less than their projection in a given stat. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry if you get all those picks correct. No competing against other people. It's just you against the available projections. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you can watch, not just the NBA, but you got the WNBA season starting up now, the NFL, MLB, PGA, college football, soccer, NASCAR, tennis. It's all in there. Go check it out. They've got very, very simple to use website. Enter entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Get safe and fast withdrawals, and they're operational in over 30 states in Canada and every province right now, except for Ontario. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's an incredible deal. $100 of free money to join your $100. Go do it right now by entering the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with Prize Picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Big V had one more thing teased before the break. What is said one more thing, Big V, as we talk about the big picture situation the Raptors find themselves in, in a league that is very much seemingly kind of moving into a different era post-Warriors dynasty and super teams and all this stuff. I actually just wanted to show some Canadian love for Jamal Murray and like how yes, silly it let's is. let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> First off, it's so amazing to see him playing at this level. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when Michael Malone went on uh, that tangent and told that story about Jamal, about how, you know, he legit just thought he was going to be traded after the mm-hmm. injury and they kept the faith. And, you know, the Nuggets organization... Um, you look at the way that they have stayed true mm-hmm. to their guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that should be looked at and be talked about more. Like you, Michael Malone, eight years now, he's been mm-hmm. with that team. And there are probably times where they could have moved on. You know, Michael Porter Jr., the last couple of years with the back injuries, right? And, and they've kept the faith. Uh, and Jamal Murray, like, it's so silly that he averaged 32, 6, and 5 on 50, 40, 90. <laughs> and there was no debate who the Western Conference final is MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look forward to Murray averaging like 39 in the finals and getting one Fred Van Vliet-esque finals MVP <laughs> vote as Jokic goes for 40-point triple-doubles every night. God, I love the Nuggets. They're so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jamal, man, I can't wait to see him and Shea in the backcourt for Canada. Like, Ooh. Ooh. when we get to see that at some point, um, mm-hmm. obviously it's not going to happen this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. he's got, he, he's taken on too much of a toll with his body and he's going to need some rest, yeah. but hopefully, hopefully at some point we get to see it. Um, I don't know when that will be because the nuggets are going to keep making these deep, uh, these deep runs, uh, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So we'll see. No, I mean, Murray will win titles the next couple of years, feel satisfied, decide, you know what? I need a new challenge. You go back home. Shay after the thunder spin their wheels. Besides, a couple years from now. You know what? I want to go back home. We'll see you with the Raptors. What a fit. Murray, Shea, and Scotty Barnes. Oh, my goodness. Just uh, the dynamic trio. I can't wait for that to never actually happen. Um, (laughs) 
I want to ask you, kind of building off of, um, first of all, the, the the idea of patience and sort of riding with your guys. Music to my ears, man. It's why I love the Nuggets. It's why they've become the official team of Locked On Raptors. Is uh, they kind of have done it the way I like teams doing it, which is let things build. Things aren't built in a day in the NBA. Uh, stories are not told over one or two season, you know, chapters. They're told over decades. Like that's just the way the NBA goes. And so. I keep on saying it. I've said it a million times this offseason. Patience is the biggest market inefficiency in all front office decision making. And so is uh, drafting a two-time MVP with your 41st pick. That also really helps. Yes. <laughs> and like the Raptors don't have that. And so like the comparison falls short there because the Raptors don't have the guy, which the Nuggets have like the, the guy, the god, whatever we call it. The horse god. Is that what he is? Uh, no, that's the thing from Zelda <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom. But uh <laughs> Either way, uh, I found the horse god. Don't worry, everyone. Uh, I don't spoil where you find him. Um, anyway, where was I going? You're enjoying uh, the yeah. game. I love it. Patience. Patience, very good. I think that's a good thing. An admirable quality in a front office. The sort of way to pivot from here, I guess, is we just saw the Celtics, or we're about to see the Celtics go down. The Sixers lost in hilarious fashion. The Suns are going to have some stuff going on. There's going to be a lot of teams this summer who are pissed off with the way the playoffs went. And I feel like it's going to be a bit of a chaotic summer. I know the sort of desire is to be involved in the transactions and get right up in there. I'm curious, like, what do you think the Raptors should be doing? What should be their, like, plan of action going into a summer that's probably going to have a whole lot of upheaval? There's another Zelda Tears of the Kingdom reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, will there, like, what do you think the Raptors should be kind of thinking going into this as the league feels like it's about to shift a whole lot over the next few months just with player movement and panic trades and you know jockeying to keep jobs and everything that's gonna everything that comes with disappointing playoff losses there might be more disappointed teams because of the nature of the league this year than we've ever seen yeah so you know for me i think it's about making a decision um <clears throat> between you know pascal and scotty and i think as early as this summer yeah Okay. Uh, I, I think in spirit, uh, on the Pascal side of things, you're looking at it and saying, hey, can you make, is there a deal out there that would mimic, say, you know, a Paul George for Shea or, mm -hmm. or even going back to, you know, when Paul George was with Indiana, a Paul George for Victor Oladipo, like in spirit, you know, um, and get a really good talent, you know, uh, that's, younger that you know kind of fits scotty's timeline a bit better um and then from the scotty perspective i think in spirit you you're just evaluating hey is there a deal uh that fits along the lines of you know tyrese halliburton for um demonta sabonis sure and so i think those are the things that i'm just gauging you know what the return would look like mm -hmm. um and that i think kind of aligns the roster better. I think this team needs more shooting in the starting five. And with obviously you anticipate resigning Jakob Pertl, resigning Fred Van Vliet. And so I think as a basketball fit, I, I think there's something uh, to be looked at between those two. Yeah, I suppose for me, I don't feel the pressure to make the call between the two this summer necessarily. Like I'm okay to build on the I'm not saying you have to. Yeah, I, yeah. If something just, presents that's itself, what I'd be sure. Yeah, yeah. If something presents itself, definitely you got to look at it. But ultimately, I think kind of going into sort of the theme of today, like what we saw down the stretch of the season from the Raptors, like I don't think that was like 
Uh, obviously, the schedule, the strength of schedule wasn't incredible or anything like that. They didn't have like a ton of signature wins, but like they were 15 and 11. They were comfortably a positive team. They had the sixth best defense in the league after the deadline. Yes, the offense was middling, but I think the success of that starting five, I think, paints the picture of like something you can work with. Is it perfect? No. But I'm okay seeing, all right, does Pascal kind of recommit himself to being like a corner three-point guy like he was back in 2018-19 when he was like a 36% shooter, which would be totally fine on this team. If that works, like does that make that half-court offense just like a smidge better? Does it make it a little bit more effective? It was really effective even with the spacing issues down the stretch. And so for me, like, yes, if there's an obvious no-brainer move that kind of reestablishes the timeline and gets you really good young blue chippers back, sure, I'm not sure that exists. And so I'm more than all right to see one more one more time of like, hey, does this work? And the starting five, I think, has way fewer questions than the rest of the roster, which is bereft of shooting and skill diversity and all that stuff. Um, you got to go and address that, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm just being more and more kind of moved to the idea that this is not that bad. This is not like some dire straight situation and you could be rewarded for letting this thing play out another year and seeing how the Barnes Siakam hurdle trio comes together and works. Obviously this is contingent upon not losing all your guys in free agency and what that does to the shooting and ball handling on the roster, what you do in the draft, blah, 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 blah. But for me, I, I think I'm less about having to decide between those two and I'm okay giving it another year and retaining as many guys as you can and then kind of figuring things out again down the line. I know everyone hates that I'm like captain kick the can down the road, but ultimately a lot of teams in the NBA do that and it benefits them. And you can move from more of a position of strength when you have guys retained on contract and all this stuff. So um, I, I think with how chaotic this summer is going to be, there are going to be a lot of mistakes made by teams. If you can get in opportunistically like the, like the Cavs did with Jared Allen in the J James Harden trade, and you can kind of dive in on a deal like that, score a good player for maybe not like a game-changing player, but a good player just because you're helping facilitate a trade or whatever. That works for me. If something no-brainer falls in your lap that you have to do and pull the trigger on, sure. But otherwise, like the league is going to be changing a ton. It's entirely possible the dust settles and you look around and you're like, are we the sixth best team in the East? Like, what the hell's going on here? This is wild. I don't think that's crazy. I think that, you know, Trey Young, what's going to happen with him this summer? What's going to happen with all sorts of dudes around the league. It's going to be a summer of change, and I'm okay seeing all that change before then making some grand decision about the future of this Raptors core, which is in not as bad a state of affairs as it might be painted to be, I suppose, is sort of how I'd detail my feelings there. Any parting shots here before we wrap this thing up, dude? No, I, I think uh, you know, you're probably more along the lines of what the front office will actually do. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And I think... Hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they all very much view this past season as, you know, that it's something that went wrong culture wise and that mm -hmm. a different voice can get more out of this group. And they mm -hmm. will wait to see if that's indeed the case before they really commit to something big. Mm -hmm. uh, one last thing, if I could quickly yeah. uh, chime in is I think because of the parody that's in the league, and this is something I'm sort of uh, borrowing from, you know, watching soccer and keeping track of what's going on there is uh every sort of window becomes more and more critical and so for mm -hmm. example in soccer it very much used to be the case that uh you know 
January is like a very minor transfer window. And then mm-hmm. the summer is where everything big happens. But sure. uh, as time went on, January became a bigger and bigger, bigger, bigger deal. And mm-hmm. so Masai, I think, you know, he, he did say that the summer is when you do the big stuff and the trade deadline is not something where you lean towards that stuff. I think if the right deal presents itself, mm-hmm. I think even if, you know, you go the way that you're saying, hey, roll with it for a season and see what's what. If you get to January and you realize that, you know what, nothing much has changed here. Yep. And if you find the right deal, go ahead and do it before the trade deadline. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think they started sort of showing maybe that they're going to view the deadline as more of a transactional window with the act trade, right? Like that's an off-season like trade for a team that was like 23 and 30 at the time. It was, let's get a good player in the door. Who cares what time of year it's at? And yeah, hopefully that becomes more of a sort of, you know, an action period for teams looking to kind of make big moves. I think it has to be, right? Like you mentioned, like the opportunities to make these moves are not all the time there. And if something presents itself, you got to do it. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Big V, for hanging out. Thanks to the listeners for hanging out as well. We'll be back again tomorrow. Unsure exactly what we'll dive into tomorrow. I think Katie's back soon from Japan, and we'll talk to to her about Japan soon. Um, But in the meantime, uh, go listen to last week's shows. We had a ton of great stuff. Uh, The Blazers chat. We talked about the draft lottery and the ramifications. Also, the Blazers involved in there as well. Um, We played What's More Likely with Jamar. It was a good week. So go check out last week's shows as we continue on this week. We'll keep you updated on all the news, of course. And then if there's any sort of uh coaching update or uh you know maybe we'll dive into some draft profiles of individual guys etc etc that's all coming up over the next week a couple weeks here as we head into june hopefully there's a new coach very soon big v anything you want to plug uh same old stuff raptors.com cbc sports you can follow me on twitter at vivek m jacob do all that you can find me on twitter at woodley sean follow subscribe to rate review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts and of course on youtube on the video side of things you can join the locked on raptors discord the link is in the description go and join it's super fun and uh we're having a great time in there flying off the handle also talking about zelda i I can't not think about zelda right now big v it's wild my brain is broken uh with that we'll leave you there thanks to the everydayers for tuning in we will talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors Thanks for hanging. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.